Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, and still less ukulele. On this episode, we continue to be in lively environments, just like last episode, doing interesting things. Now, what you'll hear in this episode is in two parts. The first is a brew day interview with the folks at Long Beach's Trademark Brewing, John Fearless Hops, White Labs, and the mighty Maltos Falcons as we discuss how we collaborated to make a locally global beer with Idaho malt, including the new country malt group Brew Malt, South African hops, Norwegian yeast, and a SoCal flair for IPA. And in the second part, I'll give you my reactions to the beer and the recipe so that you can put your own spin on an international IPA. But first, a message from our sponsors. The American Homebrewers Association, a community of more than 45,000 individuals who share a common passion, beer. Since 1978, the HA has promoted and advanced the most delicious hobby in the world, providing brewing resources, supporting homebrewer-friendly legislation, offering exclusive member deals at breweries and homebrew shops, and hosting one-of-a-kind events like HomebrewCon and the National Homebrew Competition. Join your beer-loving peers at homebrewersassociation.org. Family-owned Atlantic Brew Supply is the biggest homebrew shop in the Southeast. No gimmicks, no multinational corporate overlords, and no BS. Unique ingredients from local suppliers, including malt from neighboring artisan malt house Epiphany Craft Malts and award-winning recipe kits, including the Toll, Raleigh Brewing Company's GABF-winning Imperial Oatmeal Stout, Plus, we've got pro-level equipment and the best-in-cask supply equipment from sister companies ABS Commercial and Cask Supply. Malts, extracts, and more, all available by the ounce, an on-site calculator to help you craft your best brew, same-day order processing, and guaranteed two-day shipping for East Coast customers. Get 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code BREWFILES at checkout at Atlantic Brew Supply. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. What are we drinking here? So right now we're drinking a Mexican lager titled A La Playa. Uh, this is, I want to say about 30% corn, flake corn. And we were tinkering with this, and when we were deciding what to do in the very end, we said, you know what, let's kick this up. And we added about 100 pounds worth of lime juice, mm-hmm. or 100 pounds of limes worth of lime juice, and the equivalent amount of zest, and some sea salt. And I think it came out just super-duper refreshing. I think it's a great example with serve with a lime that 
I don't know, sometimes in craft you just can't take yourself too seriously. You just need to make something delicious and have it be really fun, and this is a great example of that. Well, and like when I first saw it listed, I was thinking, oh, it's kind of a margarita gozy type thing, which we're seeing, except for it's not. A little bit, yeah. It's definitely not gozy. It's just to take the best part of like the, the, your mind's eye, that, that delightful moment sitting on a Mexican beach. You you squeeze that little lime into that clear bottle. You you put the little salt in there. You stick your pinky in there. You turn it upside down. The beer that you wish it was, that's what we tried to make. Yeah. And you did you did a pretty damn good job with that. All right, and so everybody, once again, we are down at Trademark Brewing Company here in Long Beach. Uh, either by the time you hear this, you've heard the other interview we've already done, or you'll be hearing a better interview coming later. But I wanted to talk because we're actually gathered here today for sort of a weird reason. What are we doing, guys? We're doing a uh, collaboration brew to commemorate and mark the 45th anniversary of the Maltese Falcons Homebrew Club. And who are you? And I am uh, Colin Davis, the current president of the Maltese Falcons, and uh, I came down to check out the new establishment and see what the uh, beer that we're making and uh, have a couple of pints and see how it is. So far, so good. It's really great here. And then also on the mics, we've got Chris Anderson with John Fearless. And John Fearless is providing? Yeah, we're providing all all the South African hops that were used in the brew today, specifically... uh, Southern Star, Southern Passion, and uh, XJA436. You know, some of these things are starting to sound more like they're jet-fueled than actual yeah, hops. Unfortunately, until it becomes popular, they run with numbers and uh, increasingly confusing uh, numbering and naming sequences for us brewers to try and keep track of. But uh, this one, I think, it will be named and, and become very popular. All right. And, of course, you know, we've got... Hops are malt. Sadly, they're not. They, they're not here anymore because they left earlier today. But I'll speak on Johnny Egan's behalf. Uh, all of the malt has been contributed by Country Malting. We've got uh, pure Idaho Pilsner. Um, we've got some flaked wheat, a brew malt, which is I can't explain the malting process correctly. I'd actually like to bring Trevor. In. We should bring Trevor in for that. Can we tap? Can we tap him in for that? We, we can tap Trevor. In. I'm going I'm to grab him real quick. All right, and then while we wait for Trevor to come in to explain the brew malt, ladies. Hi, uh, I'm Katie Scow with White Labs, uh, and I'm Kim Durr with White Labs. We did the yeast for the collaboration beer, uh, which we did WLP 5815, Kvike, 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 WLP 518, <laughs> WLP 518, it's our Apschaug Kvike. It is. And, for, and you can ferment um, it, huh? Kvike's really hot right now. It's a hot fermenter. <laughs> Right. Um, so that is that's what we provided. Um, I think you're going to get a fantastic beer. Uh, Kim also brought up some crowlers of some beers that we made down at White Labs today. Uh, we did some side by sides of a Kvike IPA, uh, one with WOP 518 or Opschaug, and then another experimental uh, WOP 516, which you guys are probably the only ones that have ever tried it because. We don't sell that yeast. Yeah, and it's funny because there are a couple of things that White Labs makes that I can't get my oh, hands on anymore, go. like the Saison 3. <laughs> you can buy it in a 1.5 liter. The funny thing with a lot of these Norwegian no, no. Uh, farmhouse strains that we discussed <laughs> is the differentiation between them is very subtle. So you could have one that, like for these guys, may have made the cut into into production versus not, but the differentiation is not that great. Like It's like, oh, well, this one produce a little more esters or this one you know fermented quicker whatever so but i mean with the samples that you guys provide us earlier it was like the 518 had that sort of very fruity sour patchy type uh type aroma 
and the five one six was very n- neutral. It went kind of more almost like a a flat traditional ale strain. So it was it was very interesting just to see that difference. And of course, you guys also brought us brought us other samples because samples while brewing. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty cool the setup we have at the brewery. We're pretty fortunate to have uh, we have a twenty barrel brew house, five barrel fermenters, so we're able to do split batches with all the beers we do. So you can taste those differences. Uh, see, and that's what I really love because that's the way you learn your yeast. You learn the yeast by putting them into beer. Absolutely. You know, and everybody can say, oh, hey, just make a starter with it and let's go with it. Well, thank you so much for, for bringing us some yeast and, and having some fun with us today. Yeah, happy 45th. Yay! Cheers! All right. And so now back on the mic, we've got uh, Trevor. Trevor, uh, tell us about the brew malt. Uh, yeah. Um, so the brew malt that is used in this recipe is uh, provided by John Egan over at Country Malt. Um, the brew malt's a really special product because it's similar to honey malt, which is basically, uh, as someone once put it to me, they treat the malt as poorly as possible <laughs> during the, uh, the um, uh, malting process. So they will actually um, shut off all the oxygen and let the lactobacillus bacteria that's naturally occurring on the malt um, let that grow and give the malt a tartness and a sweetness um, that's really unlike anything else. And uh, used in small portions, usually 5 to 10% of the grain bill, it will give uh, a really, really unique uh, just kind of sweetness, a little bit of tartness, um, uh, really unlike anything I've ever used, um, so I'm very excited uh, about this this recipe. I have a question about the malting of that brew malt. Is that uh, souring the lactobacillus growth occurred uh, during germination, or is it? That's, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So it's basically they're not adding any heat uh, during the germination process. All the heat is uh, just endothermic, uh, naturally occurring from the lactobacillus activity. Well, ambient um, temperature when they're Malting would be about what? Um, not quite maybe? a malt expert, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think about um, is it about a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Um, that is on the warm there. side. Yeah. I know that country malt is is promoting brew malt as like their uber honey malt. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it had it, a way more pronounced aroma for sure. Uh, way more pronounced aroma than the Gambrinus honey malt for me. And I think one of the things that uh, John touched on is the inconsistencies that you can get from honey malt, you know, where one kernel is is really, like, huge, uh, sweet, and, and has this really nice nutty and honey flavor. And then you go to the next one, it tastes like Pilsner malt. Uh, it's because the process is really uh, not really well-defined and, and dialed in. And I, I think these guys have nailed it because, you know, at least from the handfuls of grain that people were tasting, they were getting a lot more consistency from that from, from grain to grain. Yeah. There we go. So now let's talk. So we've got some quite yeast. We've got a couple of uh, different interesting malts, a couple of different South African hops. What What is our target? What are we envisioning that this is going to be? So in this case, we it was kind of a unique circumstance because we were so fortunate to work with suppliers who were willing to contribute for this occasion. And the origin of this beer, it's we're brewing it not only for the Maltese Falcons 45th anniversary, but it's also about the the CCBA and kind of our origin as 
What's the, for people who don't know, what's the CCBA? Oh, sorry. The California Craft Brewers Association. So the CCBA is going to be hosting a large summit in uh, Long Beach this year. I believe this is the fifth or sixth year. It was previously held in Sacramento. They kind of outgrew it slash Sacramento had a renovation, and we're excited to be here. Now, the convention center is undergoing redo, so this is the first one that they're doing outside of Sacramento. So, yay! Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And from talking to the guys at CCBA, it sounds like they're going to maybe do a five-and-five program to split north and south, which will be a lot of fun. So in this case, though, we're able to brew a beer for the occasion. It coincides nicely with the Falcons. Um, all of the suppliers stepped up. And this, to me personally, is a story of roots. Um, I came from homebrewing roots. I know, you know many, many pro brewers have, but this is a story of, of origin. Uh, so playing with that and playing with the incredible supplies that we had offered to us, we're kind of leaning West Coast IPAE, but... I've never used South African hops before, so it's going to be really interesting to see what that turns out to be. Precisely. So that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. And playing with some of these malts, the pure Idaho I haven't touched before, the brew malt. Uh, We do use a fair amount of flaked and raw wheat in our other beers, but this is going to turn out something really new. And having uh, White Labs involved and playing with the Kaviks is really fun because this is a brand new strain. So we're we're going to uncharted territory. And all of this kind of comes together, I feel, in one way or another to to, be a, a perfect representation of, you know, why I got into beer. Like, I like the creative process. I like the unexpected. And, you know, this is our origin story. And we're, we're on the West Coast. It's California. We're making something West Coasty with a little bit of everything tossed in there. Well, because this is a very eclectic beer, right? We've got a bunch of different malts in here. We've got some different things to give some, some non-traditional West Coast heft, right? You know, like, I think so many people think, like, the West Coast IPA is supposed to be all Pilsner malt, all pale malt. We have very, very little. But this brew malt's going to give it a little extra oomph to it and then we're getting these we're getting the interesting tropical fruit characters out of the south african hops which is really awesome i haven't had a chance to play with these because i think the only ones i've played with so far is oh wait no actually i have used the southern passion uh and i've used african queen uh, but i haven't used any of the others so it'll be really interesting to see how these come out and then what should we expect from the upshog um, for flocculation wise, it's actually kind of a low to medium flocker. So I think you're going to see a little bit more haze from this spear than maybe some of the West Coast IPAs But just are. wait, we're going um, we're, we're gonna to find the heck out of it. <laughs> yeah, so maybe you won't see that, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you're in filter your mash. Uh, for <laughs> listeners who will hear the uh, episode here at Trademark, they have a mash filter here. So we're already on our second turn for the day with relatively little effort. So what's a little additional filtering down the line? We're in entertaining mode today, so we're, <laughs> we're dialing it back. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not pressing the, the foot to the pedal. Right. Well, so, and what, this is like 15 Play-Doh, according to the estimate? Just about, yeah. So for homebrewers' turns, that's about 1060. Now, does, is Upshog a, an aggressive fermenter? Does it, uh, does it eat everything in, in sight in two minutes? Uh, uh, well... 48 hours, I guess, we'll go with. Um, the the whole thing about these Kvike, Kvike strains, right, is that they ferment super hot and super fast. Um, and so I think that's going to be what's super exciting to see with this beer. Um, I'm not sure what temperature you guys are pitching at. Uh, we haven't figured out our pitch temperature, but we're planning on fermenting in the low 80s, high 70s. We okay. don't want to go super aggressive on this. I think our objective is to really get cleaner fermentation. Like this, in my mind, I think of this as the Kvike... Cali. Yeah. And that's the, yeah. and I'm hoping it turns out that way. It'd be really fun to have that. Yeah. 
I love it. I kind of think of this strain as like the 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 man behind the scenes is that it's not going to contribute much. It's here to accentuate the hops and the malt and such complexity yeah. from from the hops and being that some of us have never used any of these malts before. I think it's a perfect way to showcase them, but still, but yeah. still, you know, showcase what's cool about this uh, th- these strains of yeast and how quick they can produce beer. I do think it's interesting that everybody's trying to find a way to get all the aggressive fermentation characters and the high temperature fermentation characters, but trying to minimize the ester and phenol production. <laughs> it's like, going, wait, can we get like Cal Ale just faster? More. Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. We also chose the cleanest of the three hops for bittering. So uh, Southern Star, in my opinion, out of the three is probably the most traditional um, you know, it's got it's got some dank and it's got some some unique fruity characters, but uh, it's definitely not as pronounced fruity as as a uh, as passion passion and XJA are. So those are perfect uh, perfect hops for us to throw in late. We're planning on putting them in in the whirlpool um, where we're going to bring the temperature down pretty low, so we just get only aroma profile, no BUs whatsoever. So we basically derived our BUs in the first uh, first minute, couple minutes of the boil and. And uh, the rest of it's all going to be for aroma. And I think at uh, four, four and a half pounds per barrel, somewhere around that rate or something like that, right? It's pretty aggressively hopped. Yeah, this is an aggressively hopped beer, but we're doing a lot in the... Um, yeah, it's all in the, the it, dry it, it, a, lot, a lot's in the dry hop. I think we're putting about 20... We're doing about pound and a half per barrel in the Whirlpool. And then the balance is going to go in during... At the last plate or two of fermentations. We are going to do a biotransformation on this. So we're going to get a little haze. The beer is going to be named, I thought I had 40 barrels. <laughs> right. Yeah, the name is still up for discussion, I think. Or, you know, we're, we're debating about how, how to best reflect everything. But to me, I think what's interesting is that we've got a West Coast IPA with some East Coast haze, with South African hops, with some Norwegian yeast in here. It's really kind of showcasing just... It's a melting pot. Well, well, I was gonna, yeah, I mean, it's showcasing just how locally global beer can be now, right? I mean, everybody wants to talk about, hey, you know, drink local, you know, support your local craft brewery. And then we look around and you also realize that as you're supporting local, you're also supporting a broad swath of areas, Idaho, South Africa, Norway. It's, it's just, it's really kind of cool to see. It's very cosmopolitan in a way. Any other comments that we should, uh, anything else we should cover on the beer? Cullen. So uh, just looking at the recipe, um, I think in general it's kind of re- reflective more of the uh, the fact that the homebrewing side is really focused intently on one dialing in technique, but also in pushing the envelope and experimenting as much as possible. Because you know homebrewers can try all kinds of crazy stuff, and it doesn't matter that much. They're only gambling five gallons of whatever. And if it's not that great, then they'll just make another five gallons. And it's, you know, they'll just keep doing it until it's great. But Or you make a lot of beans. <laughs> yeah, or make a lot of, whatever. Uh, but um, once you go in pro, then everything counts. And it has to count. So what's crazy impressive about this recipe is all kinds of stuff going on in there that's not standard stuff. There's like, a tremendous amount of variable All these different malts yeah. and, yeah, all these new yeasts and, and hops that we don't usually use. So I think it's it's really great that you can do this kind of stuff on a commercial scale that kind of grows out of the homebrewing ethos, if you will. So 
I think, you know, I think for that reason, it's a, a really good rep- representative fusion of the homebrewing and the commercial brewing world. And uh, I definitely salute you on that one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this beer turns out. This is also the first time we've done a uh, cold liquor dilution on the Whirlpool side to drop the temperature for the, uh, for the Whirlpool edition. Uh, we, we built our system around that, and we just haven't gotten around to it. So we're just throwing it all in at once and see what happens. Well, I mean, it's not like you've been open for years. You've only been open for six weeks. Very, yeah. So. Uh, the hoops you had to jump through to get these hops here. John Fearless and Sterling uh, had a little, little, uh, a few hiccups along the way. So we we shipped uh, roughly, you know, three thousand dollars worth of hops out last week, and UPS decided that uh, that they didn't want to get them here for our brew day. So we uh, we decided we were going to ship out a second load of hops, and again they decided that the, that that they were going to ghost past the location. Uh, luckily, Sterling has uh, cameras here and and saw the them never get out of the car or even check to see if anybody was here and needless to say he drove over uh yeah, I, I ended up at the ups depot and i i may or may not have almost broke broken in and i had to use every bit of persuasive power to not have them call the police and give me the materials because i'm like guys we got 30 people showing up this is so important please i beg and somehow lo and behold we got the hops so here we are we appreciate your sacrifice. <laughs> All that hard work. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for bail money next time, okay? <laughs> well, I think the Falcons Treasury can cover at least one incident. I'm not sure about two. Okay. So just keep it a one. We're, we're okay. Um, but So now for, uh, for people who are going to want to have this beer, when and where are they going to be able to find it? We're going to tap this beer for the first time on September 11th, which is a Wednesday. That's the first day of CCBA. We're actually hosting a big party at the brewery. Uh, we're going to... At this brewery, my brewery, trademark. Um, so we'll have this beer tapped as well as the other collaboration beers we've made in preparation for the CCBA Summit. I would like to touch on that because this is actually um, being able to have the, the Falcons involved in this is really important to me personally. We were very fortunate also to collaborate with some other brewers in preparation for the event. Uh, we were able to do a beer with Firestone Walker. We did another with Amplified. We're brewing in two days with LA Ale Works. Uh, Kip and Fowler are close friends, and, and they're and they're part of our story. Uh, and that's and that's really what this all of these collaborations is about is how we got here in our story as brewers. And uh, you know, DBA is like one of my origin beers. Um, the guys, Ampl- double barrel, yeah, ale. double barrel ale, and then um, and then and and then Amplified Ale Works. Uh, some of the people there, as well as the the brother of one of the guys, Amplified, Sebastian Weidman, over. Uh, at Amplified, and also his, his brother Adrian, who's at Ocelot in uh, Virginia, are close, and they're and they're part of our story. And then being able to to brew with Kip and Fowler are huge, and uh, and cap it off with the Maltese Falcons. I, I don't know, you know, somebody might go, "Hey, dude, you're doing a lot of collaborations. Don't you have any ideas of your own?" <laughs> Except for, I will say again, you said you've been open for six weeks. I said this on the other podcast interview. Uh, yeah, you're killing your beers at a six week mark. These are stellar. So, I, I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little bit of uh, guff, little grace, but, grace yeah. and guff at once. All right, sounds yeah, exactly. good. Exactly. No, because you do great. So, all right. And again, if people are in the Long Beach area around the time of the California Craft Brewers Association conference here or summit, uh, it's great. Yeah. Come in here to Trademark. You'll be able to try the beer, and obviously, of course, be able to make sure that you check out the fine products from John Fearless, uh, from White Labs, from Country Mall Group, and everybody else who has made this brew possible. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you.
Okay, so you just heard me talking with all the fine folks over there at Trademark during the brew day, and this was obviously a couple weeks back, and the California Craft Beer Summit has already come and gone. So the beer itself has been released. It ended up becoming Origins South African IPA, and it ended up at 6.4%. Now, you remember back in the conversation, the ladies from White Labs were saying, oh, the Obershog doesn't really, doesn't really flocculate very well. And Sterling said they were going to filter the the beer. Well, it turns out that if you look at the show notes and you see the picture of the beer as poured, well, it ended up being hazy. So it became even more international because now it's a West Coast IPA with a New England presentation with all these ingredients from around the world. And it was really interesting because I don't know if the Upshog is just not as bitter as a lot of times or as chunky a lot of times with the very sort of super hazy uh ipas or ones that are done with very low flocculent yeast i should say uh if the yeast is still up in suspension you kind of get that that mouthfeel that some new england ipas have gotten famous for that that grittiness in this particular case it didn't have the grittiness uh what it did have was a whole hell of a lot of hop character a lot of um, melon and tropical fruit notes along with actually a very nice firm bitterness kind of like more what you'd expect out of a west coast ipa with a lot of that sort of classic west coast grapefruit type character and then interestingly enough a very nice little herbal spicy character so kind of uh, noblish it was kind of cool the way the uh, trademark ended up describing it was they said uh, made to honor our humble roots origins is the result of a four-way mashup collab with our founders homebrew club the maltos falcons and our favorite friends at John Fearless, Country Malt, and White Labs. It was really kind of nifty. I don't know if I'd be able to peg anything in there as being from one particular thing, you know, in terms of like, you know, oh, hey, you know, these are clearly South African hop, for example, or this is the Opshog yeast. But what I did think was interesting was how everything kind of worked together in a synergistic fashion. It is still available down at Trademark, as far as I'm aware, the last time I checked last week. And if you get a chance, you really should give it a try. I thought it was quite delightful beer. Speaking of which, let's say that you want to make your own version of, of a beer like Origins. This is the brew that we created. Now, you're going to have some issues because obviously you're not using a mash filter like Trademark does. And then also some of these uh, South African hops are a little hard to come by. But let's see what we used. So scaling down to a homebrew level, five and a half gallons or so, we get a beer that starts at about 1066 with a final gravity uh, that will get you to about 6.4% uh, and about 74 IBUs. It's also fairly pale, 5 SRM. You can see in the picture that it actually does show a very nice orangey glow. I'm going to give that over to the brew malt. What we got for five and a half gallons is 10.75 pounds of pale two-row, pound and a quarter flaked wheat, 0.65 pounds of uh, white wheat raw. Trademark tends to blend a lot of raw wheat into there because they can they can so with the, the mash folder. And then 0.65 pounds of the Great Western brew malt. And that gives you about 13.3 pounds total. And then just a simple mash. Single infusion, run it through. You don't have to press it, but you know, just do what you do for your mashing. Uh, like I said, keep it single infusion, probably somewhere around the 150s, you know, low 150s. The hopping, which was the interesting part to me, you know, when we scale down to homebrew size, it's an ounce of Southern Star pellet boiled for 60 minutes, and the Southern Star comes in at 15% alpha acid. Then two ounces of Southern Passion uh, added at the Whirlpool at 180 degrees and whirlpooled for 30 minutes. And the Southern Passion only has an alpha acid of 8%. And then finally, very last Whirlpool edition was the those XJA pellets. And those are 13.5% alpha acid and also Whirlpooled at 180 degrees for 30 minutes. 
And then we use the White Labs WLP518 Upshog yeast, which I think ended up, uh, you know, being a nice little choice. Although, like I said, this does obviously end up being, well, kind of hazy. I would also recommend probably backfilling with some dry hops. If I remember correctly, they ended up using more Southern Passion XGA. And I don't know, go make something. This is good. Thank you for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this exploration of, well, just how to make a collaboration beer that's both global and local. Cheers to Trademark Brewing for letting us run amok and all the ingredient sponsors for helping us put together the Origins IPA. You'll be hearing more from Trademark shortly on the show. In the meanwhile, what would you want to make your collaboration batch look like? Remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast.experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at denny at experimentalbrew.com or drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum out there. And don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, click the AHA, brewswag.com, code word experimental, Amazon, Brewers Friends, or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is Chat with Champs, helping kids with cancer to connect with each other. Now, until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. This episode is brought to you by Brewers Publications, publisher of none other than Simple Home Brewing by two guys named Denny Khan and Drew Beecham. Maybe, just maybe, you've heard of them. If you want to streamline your brew day, make great beer, and have a blast in the process, head over to BrewersPublications.com and buy a copy of Simple Home Brewing. Simple Home Brewing.